Now that we're all living, working, studying, and playing at home, are we making the most of our home's capacity to bring us together and provide spaces for us to be separate? Hey there. Welcome back to Mid-Mod Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match your mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 2. This season is all about how we improve our homes and our daily lived experiences if we're among the lucky people who are working from home and sheltering in place, rather than going out into the world and taking care of others. In a lot of ways, the things we can do for our houses, our daily routines, and even our mental state are the same good ideas that apply anytime, but are perhaps easier to ignore and neglect when we live a more outward-turned life. That's certainly the case for today's topic. I want to talk about how our homes can serve to bring us together and also contain enough space for each member of the household to go off on their own and have a little much-needed area for rest, reflection, or focus. While this has been very front of mind for many people, as we are struggling to adapt to a work-from-home life, it's actually a good rule of thumb in the design of any living space. So changes to your home that you dream up now, or take action to put in place this week, can still benefit you over the long run. In today's episode, I'll start out talking about the big picture, my philosophy as a designer about good residential layout, and I'll address the current resurgence of hatred for open-concept homes. Then I'll talk about how high and low mid-century homes tend to address the open-plan question. I'll take you through some big design ideas you could apply to your next remodel along those lines. But then I'll get down to brass tacks. What can you do for your home right now, this very week, possibly without setting foot outside, to create more room for togetherness and apartness in your mid-century home. Find show notes with links that I reference and a handy summary of everything I'm going to say on my website at midmod-midwest.com slash 302. All right, so people like to pick on the open floor plan on the internet at any time. And I agree that it has been promoted by architectural journals and home improvement shows to an absurd level. I certainly laughed out loud at the recent tweet going around, which read, I want an HGTV show called How Do You Like Your Open Concept Now? The one I saw first was attributed to at Laura Dobbs. The Atlantic published a piece last week entitled Homes Actually Need to be Practical Now, which focused on the challenges that many people are facing when they try to spend Monday to Monday living, working, learning, playing, and relaxing within the four walls of a home they chose back when we had lives that revolved around the office, the gym, school, restaurants, stores, open spaces, and more. The article picks up on the HGTV propensity for open plans and, quote, flow, unquote, and frames it this way. On the plus side, an open floor plan allows for constant togetherness. On the minus side, an open floor plan allows for constant togetherness. They actually hypothesize that the reason behind home improvement television's obsession with opening up the plan is the visceral satisfaction we all derive from the demo footage of using a sledgehammer to remove walls. I should just note that as someone who has removed drywall from stud framing, it's actually easier to clean up and dispose of if you pry it off section by section rather than smashing it. But anyway... One big critique of the open-plan lifestyle is that you can't get away from other people's activities. If someone is being noisy in one part of the house, everyone hears it. Another offshoot is that you can't avoid or leave behind your mess. Many people dislike a too-open kitchen because it puts their messy cooking spaces on public display. For us mid-century buffs, however, the idea of open concept is more prevalent than the actual execution. Certain examples of famous mid-century architecture do showcase completely open layouts. An extreme example is the iconic Stahl House in L.A., designed by Pierre Koenig in 1959. It's also known as Case Study House Number 22. It features floor-to-ceiling glass on three sides of the living area that overlooks L.A., which is typically photographed from across its geometric in-ground pool. 
It has a large kitchen island separated from the house only by a bar counter, and its bedrooms also share that poolside view with one another, along, you guessed it, another glass wall. But at least it's enclosed as it faces the street. An even more extreme example is Mies van der Rohe's Farnsworth House, which has a central enclosure that contains mechanical spaces and bathrooms, and has literally opened the landscape around it on all four sides, including three walls of the bedroom. This is open plan ad absurdum. But most mid-century ranches are much less extreme. In fact, most early ranches have completely enclosed single-person kitchen, and the only nod to a modernist open plan concept is the lack of a door in the door opening, which connects it to the dining area. So when I encourage ranch owners to think about opening up their floor plans, I'm not advocating taking a sledgehammer to all interior walls. I'm more interested in setting up a kitchen that can serve as a social sharing, gathering, and co-cooking space to suit the needs of most modern households. I digress. The Atlantic article also points out that our homes were designed to fit with a wider lifestyle that encompassed other places. Just as we usually outsource our workspace to the office, we generally feel able to have our group gatherings in restaurants, public spaces, and other areas outside the home. These places all fall under a heading known as the third place. This term was coined by a sociologist named Ray Oldenburg. He used it to explain that in modern life, people spend time at home, their first place, at work, their second place, but they also have a strong need for a third place to be during waking hours. Third places allow us to come together as communities and feel a sense of connection to the world, and they also take the burden off our homes and workspaces by creating a different experience, just more indoor floor area in some cases. Third places might be churches, cafes, gyms, libraries, and parks. Right now, we're all trying to stay strictly at home. Some of us are deemed essential workers and are going into hospitals, stores, or government facilities, but for the majority of Americans, we've just boiled our whole day down to one place, inside our houses. The design of a home would look a little different if you knew you didn't have anywhere else to go. There's an actual historical example of this in the mid-century development of Collier Heights outside Atlanta, Georgia. I learned about this neighborhood when I was researching the background and sets of the wonderful movie Hidden Figures. It's a great quarantine movie. Hidden figures tell the story of three black women who contributed to the development of the space program at NASA, and it checks all of my entertainment boxes. Painful but inspiring untold underdog history about nerd girls who are determined to show the world that they can do it. Plus, it's beautifully shot with a great soundtrack and some really good acting. What more could anyone ask? The reason I mention it now is that they filmed all the at-home scenes of the three leading ladies in the historically black neighborhood of Collier Heights, Georgia, which was recognized on the National Register of Historic Places in 2009. Collier Heights was developed as a result of an African-American initiative, and it specifically served an original African-American, relatively well-off population. As such, the houses in this neighborhood, all mid-century ranches, had a slightly atypical feature. Many of the homes in this area had extra rooms intended for public space activities like seated luncheons, dances, parties, receptions, fashion shows, games, relaxation, and television. Basically, since so many social areas in public America were hostile to African Americans at that time, homes took over the function. Hidden Figures includes a scene set in one of the main characters' houses just like that. All of the main characters are dancing in their recreation room with a very professional-looking bar when the news of the successful Sputnik flight is dropped into the movie. So the early residents of Collier Heights needed a space where they could gather with their friends, away from the pressures of racism and segregation that they found outside their homes. They designed and built houses that would accommodate that need. Right now, our needs are a little different. 
We aren't supposed to gather with anyone, let alone inviting every good friend to the party bar in the basement. But this lesson is still relevant. The shape and spaces of our homes are affected by what we plan to do in them. And right now, when we can't outsource our working spaces or our entertainment spaces to other parts of the community, there are no more third spaces. I have to assume that at some point we will all come out of our burrows and re-enter public life. But there is a more universal design philosophy here. We will always need a variety of spaces for different types of togetherness and separate activities in our homes. And it may well be that we prefer to do some things at home that we used to do outside for a long time to come. So to address this, how can we change our houses? I'd like to turn to one of my personal design heroes, Sarah Sasanka. She led the charge against the ever-expanding McMansion home design, popular in the late 90s and early 2000s, advocating against the kind of ballooning and soulless houses I saw taking over cornfields all around the border of my northern Chicago suburb growing up. She wrote a book, The Not-So-Big House, in 1998, and a number of follow-up sequels, and proposed that we don't need more space to live well in our houses, we just need the right space. Her point was that even the biggest possible 1990s success story house often lacked key areas that people need for happiness and to love their homes. In particular, she noted the necessity of an away room, a space where you can be separate from the noise level of the house without feeling like you've gone completely into another house. For example, if you live in a household where rambunctious play is going on, but you need to focus on work-from-home efforts, or you're an introvert of the house and you want a quiet space, you can go to the away room and find focus. That shouldn't mean you have to climb up into an attic crawl space like Seth Meyers on the new Late Night Show, or go down into the darkest reaches of the deep basement storage area. The idea is that you should find this area on the main living level and near the rest of family activities, but away enough that you can feel focused or separate without having to leave the whole house. Note, the reverse can also be true. Sometimes a whole group of people needing to focus might ask the loudest family member to step into an away room or play a video game or watch TV show somewhere else. In either case, the idea is that you've made a place where people can feel connected without being in each other's laps or noise bubbles. Susanka said that we actually don't need a big house to accomplish this. We just need to plan for it properly. So the idea of an away room is something that I try to incorporate into all of my design thinking. It doesn't have to be a perfectly soundproof chamber. We all have noise-canceling headphones now. Just a place where you can step away from the center of the household activity and shut a door without completely dissociating yourself from family life. While you're planning a remodel, this idea plays into the placement of walls, the arrangement of room spaces, choosing see-through glass doors or interior windows, or other architectural interventions that allow you to close an open floor plan. If your main area is devoted to TV and togetherness, the away room might be a book-lined study. If you have a family of introverts who like to read quietly on separate chairs around the living room, the away space could be a video game zone. It comes down to preference, but the idea works well. For me, my away room is the office, a converted bedroom which looks out onto the backyard and has a door that sees into the living room when open. Since modern families are often smaller than in times past, converting an extra bedroom into an away space is low-hanging fruit. You can make a change simply with furniture, or you can do a few architectural modifications to that room, replace the interior door with one made of glass, exchange a window with a French door that leads into the backyard or a patio, add built-in bookshelves or storage, or otherwise modify it to suit the need you want for that space. If you plan an addition, you could add an away space, or you could make room to repurpose some of the original floor area into that use. So including an away room in your home renovation master plan is an essential design consideration. But what about if you're looking for away rooms right now, before you could call a contractor and change your house's floor plan? Look for areas you can repurpose. For one thing, go after empty bedrooms. 
If you live in a ranch and happen to be one of the many American families with more bedrooms than bedroom users, target empty bedrooms as away spaces. Convert a junk room or a guest room into an office, a TV or video game room, a kid's space, or more. In this emergency, you could make the best of a weird situation by asking kids if they'd like to bunk in together, a perpetual sleepover, and salvage one of their former bedrooms as a daytime play area, or claim that space for an adult quiet zone and seed them the rest of the house. Absolutely go after your guest rooms right now. At this moment, no one needs a guest room. Now is the time to refocus. Consider pushing a bed into a corner. You can gather all the extra throw pillows available and create a divan-style sofa where people can curl up together or stretch out and engage in quiet time. Once you've shoved the bed to the edge of the room, you've got space to create an office, a craft space, a sewing nook, or whatever else your household needs for mental and medical success during this time. Think about your life. One of my most consistent messages when thinking about design is to make sure that you're making your choices for your household, based on what you and your family really want and need, and not on the conventions of local real estate design magazines or HGTV. Keep looking around your house for other underused spaces. I suggest the basement. Nearly all Midwestern homes have one. This has to do with the practicalities of our climate and the necessity to build a foundation of the house below the average frost line, which in south-central Wisconsin is assumed to be four feet deep. When you're digging down four feet and more to get under the freeze, mid-century builders knew you might as well carry on a few feet more and double the square footage of the house for little added expense. If you already have a finished basement and love it, move on, you're all set. If you have a finished basement you don't love, stay tuned for the advice I'm about to give people who are finishing their basement next. There's no easier way to add to your living floor area than finishing a basement. It's extra square footage without an addition. Magic. The secret to making it feel like part of the house is to finish it in the same level as the rest of the house. Good flooring material, like a cork, put down over a solid subfloor, not concrete. Real sheet walk walls and ceilings, don't forget to insulate them, and as much natural light as you can get. It's actually much easier to dig out a generous window well and add a real window to your basement than you might think. Plus, it's a legal necessity if you plan to have anyone sleep down there. If you're just claiming basement space this week, not planning a remodel, here are a couple of tips for a level one basement overhaul. First, give it a thorough scrub down. You want it to feel clean. And consider a coat of fresh paint. Even cinder block walls will seem fresh and bright with a new layer of white paint. Bring in as much natural light as possible, and artificial light will help in a pinch. Floor lamps, ceiling lights, even Christmas lights can help. Then add softness. Divine your seating area with an area rug and salvage all the soft furniture you can find. If you haven't got any basement space or main floor rooms to spare, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You can do a lot with noise-canceling headphones and giving everyone their own little area of the living room to set up in. But do pay attention to the transition from day to night. If you're using your public space as a temporary workstation, if the kitchen table is your new desk, for example, try to create a setup that can be easily turned back into non-workspace so you don't have to spend every evening cooking around or staring down your office. As someone who's worked from home for more than three years, I'm very aware of the necessity of separating the time I am at work from the time when I'm not. Create a good end-of-work shutdown routine, where you tidy away your paperwork and cords and slip your computer out of sight. It helps to have a mobile storage station where you can put all those things together. Even an empty cardboard box will do in a pinch. But it's more ideal to have several places where you can work on different tasks. Create nooks. Look for places where you can create a little corner work area. You don't want to just ask everyone to put their headphones on and face a wall. Think about constructing mini spaces. Here are a few examples. 
pull the doors off a closet and turn it into an office with a desk, shelves, and storage, a work light and a power strip all tucked inside. Or leave the doors on and be able to push the chair away and close the door when you're not on the job. You can create a reading corner with just a chair, a light, a footstool, and somewhere to set down a laptop. Tuck it into a corner or under an area of lower ceiling to create a protected enclosure. Push a bed into the corner of a room and pile it high with comfy pillows. Find a tray or board to serve as a lap desk and recline while you work or snack like a wealthy ancient Roman. Points if you can persuade another member of the household to feed you grapes. Set up a desk by a window so you can improve your mood when you lose focus. Or just create an outside workstation. Bring an extension cord, chair, and table out to the lawn. Set up a shade for your laptop screen with a cardboard box, umbrella, or string up a shade cloth from nearby high surfaces. In any of these ideas, the key ingredients are a comfortable chair, a table, or at least a place where you can set down your devices, good light, access to power, and a little storage where you can tuck your work away. Take inspiration from the office cubicle. Not a great device, sure, but it's a visually private pocket that allows you to get some focus in, in a busy area. One more word on bedrooms. While sleep hygiene experts may advise us to use our bedrooms only for sleeping and you know what, if you live in a household where your office has taken over the public areas, now might be the time to think about your bedroom as a retreat. Move around some furniture or just make a clear floor area so that you can create a space more suitable for reading, reflecting, stretching, or just being alone for a while. The same goes double for kids. I'll be speaking more about design for and with children next week, but in general, now is a great time to encourage them to create the kind of spaces they love in their own areas. Consider a blanket fort made from sheets and kitchen chairs, or construct a hideout with 2x4s and power tools. More on that next week. In summary, I want you to think about how you can repurpose the existing spaces of your house. Areas you might not have needed to focus on when you could always run out and work in a coffee shop for a few hours or take your kids to a playgroup might need to be considered in a different light now that our home is the place where we live, work, and play. These ideas can be incorporated into your home in a big remodel or with little moves like moving around pieces of furniture. All right, one more thing. Next week, I'm going to be on Wisconsin Public Radio. Tune in live from 11 a.m. Central on Thursday, the 23rd, on the Ideas Network, or catch it on the podcast replay of The Larry Mueller Show. I hope you can join us for the show. That's all for now, folks. Check out show notes at midmod-midwest.com slash 302 for links and an outline. Help new listeners find the show by adding a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And for now, stay home and stay safe, Midmod Remodelers. Let's talk next week.